saying no. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back to the From the Fabricator podcast. I'm your host, Max Perlstein. Happy New Year. Happy 2024. We are off and running. And the first podcast of the year is now coming your way here in a few minutes. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much for the support. And before we get to our guests for this edition, uh, just a reminder, we've got two gigantic events coming up that you need to register for. We have BEC and GPAD, Building Oval Contractors and Glass Processing and Automation Days. And they are both in Nashville. March 3rd uh, is when BEC kicks off. And right after that is when GPAD kicks off. If you don't know what these are, BEC is the home for the glazers. GPAD is the home for fabricators. And and if you are a fabricator, you must attend GPAD to keep up with the latest and greatest. Check them all out at glass.org. Hit the events and the agendas are up. Take a look. If you have any questions, reach out to me. I've had people reach out to me and say, hey, what are these about? Uh, why should I come? Uh, we have great keynotes. Uh, Ricardo Mize of uh, Vitro is one of the keynotes, along with Troy Johnson uh, from Harmon. Stephanie Couch, who's coming up later on this podcast, will be there. Great companies involved. Tom Jackson, Steel Encounters. Y- you want to you wanna check these out. Uh, again, this podcast, I forgot to mention, brought to you by My Glass Class and My Glass Fab from the National Glass Association. Thank you so much to them for the support of this podcast year after year. If you need training. 24-7-365. Check out myglassclass.com. On there, you'll see the training for the glazing side, for the apprentice side, and then myglassfab.com is in there as well for the fabricator. Check that all out from the National Glass Association, built by the industry, for the industry. Uh, any questions on that, feel free to get with me as well. Okay, time to move on to the podcast. Two sets of interviews uh, to kick it off this year. I start off with Sterling Guyette and Luke Jacques of Insulite Glass. Great young guys. They got it. They get it. I mean, I'm really impressed. We had a fun conversation. And then I wrap up with Stephanie Couch, who I just mentioned. She is a an amazing person. She spoke at Glass Build and blew everybody away. She's going to speak at BEC about AI. We talk about a lot of the things she's got going on, including a new CRM product that sounds pretty fascinating. So that is coming up. Uh, we start off with Sterling and Luke. We end with Stephanie. I'll see you on the other side. Thanks for checking it out. Okay, okay. To kick off the new year, uh, I'm thrilled. I got two guys that uh, I'm excited to get to learn uh, about and, and what they've got going on. Uh, I've got Sterling Guyette, Director of Operations, and Luke Jock, uh, Director of Sales at Insulite Glass. And you can find them online at insulightglass.com. Great company, doing really good things. And these guys are uh, on a rocket ship. And guys, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you and learn a little bit more. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, thank you very much for having us, and it's uh, it's an honor to be on here. Yeah, well, thank you, Max. Th- thrilled to have you on, and uh, you know, a uh, big fan of what you got going on. So, but I, I definitely want to introduce you a little bit to the audience. But I also want to learn too, because as we were talking a little bit off uh, off air, you know, I I know of you, I know of the family a little bit, but I don't know everything. And so, starting with you, Sterling, your past, how you ended up, you know, as as director of operations, and you know, being in in, in a great position at at, uh, at Insulite, and then I'll get to you, Luke. But uh, take me through your past, Sterling. Yeah, so I'm uh I'm the fourth uh, generation. I'm the fourth guy to to enter the glass the glass business. Nice. Um, we all started in Grand Island, Nebraska, um, at Island Glass, and um, that's of course where I started as well. So before I ended up at Insulite Glass, um, you know, I was I was playing around with glass at probably an age that I shouldn't be, <laughs> and and figuring out how to uh, how to cut glass to size. Granted, ninety nine percent of it that I cut uh, right away was uh, you know trash. Um, but I always joke with people saying that I had my diaper changed on the cutting table. I love it. I love um, it. So, you know, through there, you know, it was a summer job. It wasn't the most appealing. I wasn't doing the most appealing job, um, but I was glazing. Um, so that's where I that's where I entered. I was, you know, reglazing uh, wood windows, doing commercial, doing residential, shower door installation, getting getting into a little of everything. Um so that was all started by great grandpa, got passed to grandpa, um, got passed to uh, grandma and, and Bo, uh, who's in, the owner of Insulite Glass. And um, 
1990, he ended up moving down here. Uh, and my dad, Tony, took over Island Glass at that point, okay. um, where I learned under him. Okay. Um, I worked for him for, for a handful of years glazing. Um, I would go to school the same time as I was working full time for him. Uh, and in 20, 2013, uh, Bo gave me a call and said, Hey, I've got an opportunity down here. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good situation. It was an unexpected, uh, opportunity, but it was an opportunity nonetheless. Right. And I, it wasn't an easy conversation to have with, with my dad by any means to move from Nebraska down here to Kansas. But, um, I, I took him up on that opportunity and through the years I've, I've, I've done things in help positions as far as project, uh, manager for all glass, uh, the all glass door department. Right. Um, right. I've done production, I've done sales, I've, I've been thrown into a lot of different things, uh, software implementation. So I've definitely got my feet wet. No doubt. No doubt. So boy, I said that was a big move for you. I mean, uh, you know, yep. uh, come in there and so you're settled in everything, everything going well. And so you've been there since 2013. So we're, uh, we're starting what year number 11 now, correct? Uh, so I got that call in 2013. Uh, I took about six months to end up moving here. So 2014 was actually the okay. first year. So actually April of 20, 2014 is my, was my start date. All so right. rolling up on, rolling up on 10 years here. Love it. Love it. Uh, Luke, uh, so you, I assume that you, you're not a fourth generation glass guy. Uh, re- really not. curious. Okay. T- talk no. to me about your path to this world. And, and see, you can tell you, you, you're, you're happier. You have more hair than most glass people who've been in this. So <laughs> you're looking good. Go for it, Luke. Um, yeah. So I took a very unique path, uh, to the glass industry. Um, so I first started out, um, I, I had an internship at a financial company uh called Waddell and Reed. They're they're no longer in business now. They got acquired, I think, in 2021. Um, but I had plans of becoming a financial advisor, uh, especially going through college and stuff. Um, that was my plan. Um, so I did an in- internship with them, then got hired on the following year um, to basically learn under a financial group of guys. Um, Then ultimately, I got an opportunity to work at a bank in their credit department. Um, So really analyzing financial statements, uh, presenting in front of committees, uh, really digging down deep into company financials and analyzing their credit risk for loans and lines of credits, all of that stuff. Um, So worked at the bank uh, in the credit department for a little over a year. Um, And then I took a big pivot to a startup within the bank, uh, primarily in their healthcare vertical, where it was a product that uh, basically reconciled hospital and clinical EOBs, so explanation of benefits. Um, So you would match up that with the actual payment. So really eliminating the back office need in uh, hospitals and clinics and stuff. So that was a really, really good uh, experience and, and fun time kind of growing up with a startup within an organization, uh, learned a lot there. And then um, whenever our old operations manager, uh, Sam Keegan, uh, announced his retirement, that's when Bo reached out to me because I've known Bo for the past 15 years or okay. so. Um, and then he he called me and said there was a opportunity at Inslight to to kind of come in, really learn the glass business under Sam and Sterling and really our tenured employees here. Yep. Um, and kind of came in here with uh with a goal of fixing not only learning the business, but also one of our big problems was uh logistics at the time. Um, so that's really where I got my feet wet was, um, 
revamping our logistics and okay. uh, working with Sterling and fine tuning out the way we we process and really our overall operations, um, so we could we could progress positively with um, with the company, and that's kind of how I got into to Inslide. So I went from managing logistics to tag teaming operations with Sterling. And then when Larry Vashels retired, that's when I uh, really became the head of our sales division here at Inslide. Interesting. Interesting. I like the path. Uh, you know, and it's funny, I like both of your paths from the standpoint of that you learn from different angles of our business. You know, and you're continuing to learn, and you're, you know, you have a respect for all those things. So, you, Luke, is a, a leader of sales. You definitely understand what's going on on the operations and the logistics side. You know, and that's yes. always, you know, that, that's always the battle. You know, sales, exactly. sales is always battling production. And then, obviously, you know, Sterling, you come from a glazing side. You know, and so you understand what the end, end users going through. You were an end user, so you you know, you know, uh, you know that whole angle. So I think that's it's interesting. Your experiences work really well for your your current positions, and uh, no wonder you guys are doing so well. This is exciting. It's a smart move. Uh, uh, Luke, do you, do you miss the banking world though? I'm I'm curious. There's no way you miss the banking world. The glass world's so much better. Yeah, uh, I I would not say I miss the banking world. No, uh, there's a lot of bureaucracy in it. Okay. Not saying there's not in, in the glass business. Uh, there is in every single business. Um, it's just different. This is a very niche industry, and it's hard. There's a lot of problems, and there's a lot of tough situations, um, and a lot of liability. Too yeah. right, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a new thing every day, and you never know what to expect when you walk in the door. What kind of emails you're going to get, and it's just a new problem that that you got to solve. And that's what I really enjoy about this industry. It's just problem solving. Yeah, yeah. The cha- the challenges. It's definitely you know at the end of the day, it's more fun in this industry than than you know a lot of other industries. And then we have good people like uh, like yourselves and the folks that you work with there. You know, you've got a great culture there, so that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, that kind of moves me on to my next question. I've got Sterling and Luke, Sterling Guyette, Director of Operations, Luke Jacques, Director of Sales, Insulite Glass. Check them out at insulightglass.com. And it brings me kind of the, you're you're both younger guys. Um, you know, it's something that I talk about constantly on this podcast. I talk about it on the blog, attracting, you know, younger folks to our space. You know, and, and I mean, that's that's a big thing. And, and it's kind of rare that we have two people like yourselves in a position of power, uh, you know, and, and so it's good that, you know, you're younger and you're you're attracting people. Uh, curious, first and foremost, you feel extra pressure because you, you're definitely I've mentioned now 15 times you're on the younger side. You feel some extra pressure, you know, being younger and dealing with uh, a majority of this industry that's probably 20, 30 years older than you guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, um, I would say that, yes, I mean, we manage, we have a really good balance of veterans here along with um, newbies, I guess. Okay. Um, You know, at the end of the day, it's what we do is as a fabricator is it's manufacturing and it's, 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 but it's manufacturing a material, a building material that's different than, than everything else. It's, uh, you know, there's, there's not a, there's not really a, a product out there like glass. Um, so it puts a lot of pressure on us to, um, as far as retaining and attracting new people. Um, it's one where, you know, we're, we're picky and choosy about who we, who we hire, but also, um, we, again, we have a lot of veterans here that are good, great with training. It's about, once you get them in here, it's about retaining them. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping them engaged, making them feel like they're part of something. Uh, nobody wants to go to work for someone that, you know, they don't feel like they have a voice uh, at the company that they work for. Um, and it could be, you know, things we do a lot of things throughout the year, such as uh, lunches. We do um, sweatshirts. We do. Um, I love you know, the swag. Random, I love the sweatshirt you're wearing right now. The, so, yeah. the swag, the um, you know, random gift cards for just uh, doing out doing something outside of your um, core responsibilities, um, and that goes a long way. I mean, even if it you know doesn't cost much or it doesn't seem like much 
on the front end to whoever's receiving it, it's more than about what it is. So yeah, no, it's, it's good. Uh, yeah, you you've got it. You, you know, I, I like what you've got going on there. And I was just curious, kind of, you know, it, I I was placed in a position similar to yours, but I was not ready, and 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 so I, I think I got run over pr- pretty badly, you know, because I was not ready. And I think you both were ready in different ways, trained in different ways, and 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 climbed the ladder the right way. And then I think your outlook is 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 dead on. Um, the one thing we haven't done yet, though, is we got to talk about Insulite. It's a great company. I keep talking about you know what you guys have got going on, but for those out there who don't know what Insulite is about, what Insulite does, and and all you do, uh, you know, how about running down uh, everything that Insulite's got going on these days? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, so Insulite has been around for thirty three years now. Well, going to be thirty four. Um, it, it started out at a, as a small, tiny glass shop, uh, when, when Bo first moved up here. Um, and then he was at that first location for a couple of years and then, uh, moved to where we are now headquartered in Olathe, Kansas. Um, and it, it started as something very small. And then we've had a few additions to, to what it is today. Um, it, so that's really what we have going on now is is really and Sterling, you can chime in on this, um, fine tuning our layout and our operations to just make the most out of out of what we got, because uh, we have had a few additions. So it, it kind of makes operations a little tricky in some instances. Uh, so making sure our, our process flow is at, as best and as manageable as possible. Um, we're, we're all around fabricator. Uh, we do anything from, from just typical insulated glass units to laminated products, to, to printed glass, um, to all glass entrances with our glass light division. Uh, so we, so we really do everything, uh, under the, under the sun really in terms of fabrication. Good, good, and and you ship. You're 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 in Kansas, but you ship. Uh, you've you've got a pretty decently sized shipping area because of where you're at, correct? Correct. Uh, so we primarily um, ship within the uh, really the greater Midwest. Uh, we also have what we call a, more of a distribution, but also we do some production. Uh, over in St. Louis in uh, Pacific, Missouri. Uh, so we can hit um, Illinois, so Southern Illinois from that location all the way to uh, s- Southeast Missouri and then everything um, from Kansas City as well. So Nebraska, Iowa, down to Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, really the greater Midwest is where we we kind of travel to and and that's our our area huge area huge area very very cool i like it i like it so so to mix things up a little bit a fun question and we kind of bandied about this fun question back and forth and and we we settled on one of you is a big nebraska guy one of you is a big kansas guy and and i'm a big sports fan uh so i i I live for sports and so when i think about nebraska and kansas i think of different athletes different sports and i'm curious on who your favorite all-time nebraska athlete is you know and that uh, nebraska i assume that's you sterling right you know you're the nebraska guy yes yeah the all-time favorite uh, kansas uh, athlete for you uh luke for me i'll just i'll, I'll just start it off for me that you know danny manning for kansas is is my guy you know i mean danny and the miracles now i'm old you know so so that's why it goes that way but danny danny manning's my guy uh, Nebraska, I had tr- Sterling. I had trouble. I I was like Amon Green, Tommy Frazier. I mean, I was I was battling that. So uh, you, you had said you had to think about it a little bit. I'm curious. I'll start with you, Sterling. Who, who's the Nebraska guy? Your all time favorite? Yeah, we're kind of a lost cause at this point. Um, but, uh, you got Dylan Riola. You you, yeah, you had a you, that was a big signing. I'm sure Insulite you know, had the NIL. Is that is he an you know <laughs> he, you guys probably uh, footed the bill for him, right? Yeah, no, of course. Bo's a big Nebraska fan as well, coming yeah. from there. So it we'll we'll see what uh, if Dylan can bring in any additional recruits and and uh, revamp that program. But to answer your question, uh, I was born in '92, so you know, the, the player that sticks out most to me is probably Eric Crouch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Heisman the, trophy the, winner. Yeah. Heisman trophy winner. He could run the ball. 
you know, we would probably go to two to three Nebraska games a year when I lived back there. And during that time period, um, he was probably the player I, I saw play most. Um, and I, I was lucky enough, you know, to get his autograph and, nice. um, he actually came to, uh, one of the, the elementary school that I used to go to. And after he got drafted to the NFL, he got into, uh, playgrounds, donating playgrounds. And he actually donated the playground at the elementary school that I went to. So there's a little bit of, um, little bit of a connection there, I guess. I love it. I love it. I love it. Very, very cool. And I think I, like I mentioned to you in the email, the one thing about Nebraska right now I love is the volleyball team, uh, the women's volleyball team. And then, you know, playing in front of 90,000 people in that stadium. That was a, that was a scene at the, I, I assume you've been to many games that is it Memorial stadium. I think they play Memorial, Memorial stadium. Yeah. 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 90,000 strong. Amazing. Amazing. Win or, well, win or lose, they're still selling it out. So they, they are. And, and Hey, I think, uh, I think, I, th- I think Matt rules got them headed in the right direction. So, uh, I really actually thought Scott Frost was a great hire. I just can't, still can't believe that that turned out the way it did. So there was a lot, there was a lot hanging on that. If, yeah. uh, if it worked, it was a great decision. If it didn't, Oof. it's, uh, how do we, how do we move on? How do we yeah. cut ties here? It's but, a tough one. He's a, he's a favorite son. All right. All right. So Luke, I mean, you have so many choices more, more so on basketball than football, but football lately, you know, yeah. football lately they've been good. So I'm very, very curious to see, uh, Mario Chalmers. I mean, who, who's it going to be? Yeah. So, uh, I'm actually going to do a two part answer to this and, and you're going to be surprised at, at my first one. So I'm a huge golf fan. Um, I, I play golf a lot and, and love watching it. Um, I'm going to say Gary Woodland is is one of my, uh, all time favorite KU alums. Um, and then in terms of basketball, we've had so many good stars, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw one out there. Uh, and it's going to be a little pivot, but Bill Self. Bill Self, yeah, Bill the, Self, the great coach, um, the great coach, yeah, phenomenal coach, um, has done absolute wonders. Uh, absolutely, going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, and just the way that he's he's gone through recruiting and just all the troubles uh, recently in the last few years, but nonetheless, uh, KU basketball still still strong. And then, like you alluded to, uh, football's coming back. Um, so we've done a lot of good things with that. I think the NIL, um, money and all of that stuff is, is positive, uh, especially for revamping the, the KU football program that has been just so horrific the last few years. So a lot of different fun things are going on at KU for sure. Nice, nice. And then Gary Woodland, good choice. He won a he, he won a major. Was it U.S. Open? He won a big major, you know, a few years ago. And that was uh, uh, you know, kind of a wire to wire run, which I like. And you could tell I'm a huge sports fan. So I, I love your uh, love your choices, Bill Self. Hopefully, he continues to stay healthy. Him getting sick last year before the tournament that was a uh, that was a tough one. He is uh, not the same without him on the sideline. That's for sure. Exactly. And uh, and a common listener, a loyal listener to this podcast, Scott Goodman of CRL's huge KU guy. So. Uh, I get updated twice a week on what's going on with KU <laughs> via him, so I, I I'm yeah. always knowing on what's going on. All right, we get, we're continuing on back to back to the, the glass business and so on because I could chop up sports with you guys all day long. I'm with Sterling Guyette, Luke Jock uh, of uh, Insulate Glass, InsulateGlass.com. Trends and products out there. Uh, you know, you both have been in the business long enough. I'm curious, you know, what you're seeing. I'll start with you, Sterling. Anything that uh, has you uh, uh, excited out there with some of the trends that we've got going on product wise. Yeah, um, we so we've continued to uh, offer digital printing. You know that seems to be um, still it's in a niche industry. It's a very niche product, so that makes it even more difficult. But um, you know, digital printing is is continuing to replace you know typical silkscreen. Um, so that's a technology that continues to. Um, to progress. Um, and even, even at that, as far as using it for bird friendly, um, you know, we've done a handful of bird friendly jobs, uh, just over the past couple of years. And, um, so of course that's gaining quite a bit more traction. Um, and then, uh, you know, security it's, uh, to, 
uh, burglar resistant forced entry ballistics, um, uh, you know, every laminated glass uh, yeah. used for those applications continue to, uh, sp- you know, spark a lot of interest from architects, general contractors, owners, uh, everybody. No doubt. No uh, doubt. All of them moving forward. Uh, Luke, anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say um, one of the cool projects or I guess products that's that's making more headway in the industry um, is the switchable smart glass. Um, right now, I think just cost of it right now are, are too high to really take the traction that that it has. I think eventually it'll get there as as costs go down. But I think that's a really cool product that that could have a lot of benefits uh, for for especially interior applications uh, for conference rooms, offices, things like that. But I mean, maybe it it becomes uh, even feasible on the exterior envelope. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely you know it's it's a really cool product, and I'm really interested. To, to see where it goes in the next decade or two. Yeah, the continuing possibilities there are endless. Uh, but uh, you guys are dead on there. There's a lot of things there. Uh, you know, the bird bird friendly is 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 rocking. Uh, you know, security and and privacy. You know, with with regards to, you know, uh, more. You know, the more people that come back to the office, they want that privacy with regards to uh, a switchable product. So good call, good call. A couple more questions for you. Curious, uh, you know, again, with your experience levels and what you've been able to see, if there's one thing you could change about our industry, uh, what would that be? Uh, Sterling, we'll kick it off with you. One thing to change about this wonderful uh, industry, probably you would want better podcasters and better bloggers. I know that for sure. You know, there's the podcasts are starting to gain some traction and <laughs> and I think you're at the head of it. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying. You're, you. you're making some headway for sure. So um, I'm glad I snagged you guys. So that's all that matters. This will help. This <laughs> yeah. will help. This will help dramatically. I appreciate we, that. We we appreciate it as well. Um, yeah, from a from an operations or a or a production standpoint, I think the amount of glass types, uh, which would be the coating in combination with the substrate itself, is. You know, when it comes to production, the the more glass types and colors and flavors there are to pick from, it just gets that more difficult. You know, it's a, it's not how it was twenty years ago with a hard coat low E and you got bronze, gray, green, and and you slap it together, and you know that was the majority of what you cut. You know, nowadays, I actually just ran the the report um, last week. We cut nearly two hundred different glass types. Um, across different thicknesses and um, you know coatings and colors and and that was just last year. So trying to manage that wide of inventory, yeah. And what do you do with you know the leftovers? And it puts a lot of pressure on sales um, to price the jobs correctly. Um, you know, don't don't uh, drop your margins or don't uh, you know just give anything away because it's you still have to do something with it. So I, f- from my point of view and where I sit and, and what my responsibilities are, I would say eliminating or reducing the amount of glass types that are out there in the market. That's, that's sales good. Would probably argue with that. But. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sales may, but I, you're definitely right. I mean, from an inventory standpoint, it, it's be, becoming very, very challenging, you know, and handling and, and, and then, you know, size availability and your yields, like you said, you know, you're quoting a job and if those sizes come in different than what you think and you've got crappy yields, uh, you know, that's a, you know, that's a, a tough one. I think that's a great point because I do think as we keep introducing new glass products, we do have to sunset some older ones um, just because it's it's the, 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 the range. That's a great call and 200 different class types. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's nightmarish. And to expand on that, COVID, COVID seemed to, the COVID, um, phase in the few years that got, that kind of went on or was more relevant it actually helped um by some of our you know float float glass suppliers to eliminate some of the stock sheet sizes or reduce their product offering um instead of announcing additional coatings yeah. or colors it it kind of put the brakes on the situation but um again from a sale our job is to understand 
it, even though I don't control it, I understand the sales perspective and Luke and the sales team underst- understands the production perspective. So even at that, you know, that it's helped. COVID has helped reduce the number, the number of glass types or even available stock sheet sizes, um, but it still hasn't really put a dent in it by by any yeah. means. No, it, it, it you're, you, it's a great point by you. And and so, Luke, I'm curious what you what your uh you know what your take is on on one thing that could be changed. And uh and I guess if you could add on what what you think about Sterling wanting to get rid of half the things you want to sell each day. <laughs> uh, well, that is a struggle. All all the glass types. Uh, it's just, it's a continuous juggling act, right? Um, you see all these trends of, I mean, a few years ago, or I I should say probably 10 to 15 years ago, you saw all the bronze bronze was flying like crazy. And now it's, it's really died down. Um, but then whenever a remake or a replacement piece for that, you know, you got to bring in different glass types that you're not typically cutting anymore. So it can make that that difficult. Um, but I would say probably probably the selling cycle. Um, and selling cycle, what I mean by that is, so the way that that things are dealt is, so our, our customer is really the glazer, right? Um, and it would be a lot, easier and more advantageous for the end user so the building owner or the architect whoever it is if um we could have more talks with them and really get more ingrained and show our value add and our expertise in the building designs right um and and there's a number of factors that go into that so uh the amount of samples that we do and provide to architects is is enormous it right? is so it's like business it, in itself it, yeah. it really is i mean we have yeah. a full department just for samples yep. um and and that's all they do every day you know uh sample and submittals um so if we could get ahead of that and have really good direct talks with the architects and the gcs to try to kind of eliminate that um and and really just shorten the time of the selling cycle you know um glasses like we we've talked about it's a niche industry right and it, it's difficult there's so many different types there's so many different coatings and there's so many numbers and and analytics that go to certain glass coatings and that are on different substrates and you can throw printing in there and that has different VLTs and solar heat gain and just everything glass related. Um, it, it would be a lot easier, I think, if we could get ahead of it and show our expertise and in the industry that we're all in. You know, that, that's a big one. And that's something that that we, we all continue to try to strive for, but uh, it's still... Uh, you know, certain things have worked in, in trying to get in front of architects and certain things have not. And, and, and part of it is the architectural side of things where they're kind of set in their ways. And uh, but but uh, no, you're dead on with that selling cycle. So good, good takes by both of you. And hopefully sooner than later, we can get some of this stuff fixed. Uh, I think that's a that's that's a goal. And it's something that, uh, you know, uh, is, is something NGA has to think about, too. And that's a consideration I'll definitely take back to them. Good stuff. Good stuff. So wrapping up, because I know you're both very busy. I know Sterling wants to, you know, desperately wants to go run run his facility uh, instead of chatting with me here. But uh, 2024, uh, we're in it now. Uh, and I ask this to every guest because I'm always curious because every perspective is a little different uh, depending on where they're at. Uh, how do you see 2024 progressing? Uh, are, you, are you confident or are you uh, cautiously optimistic, pessimistic? Uh, Sterling, how are you feeling about the year ahead? Yeah, I, I don't think we're having, I don't think we're going to have a record year by any means. And, and you know, this is something Luke and I discussed, obviously, before uh, the, the meeting as well, this interview. Um of everyone that I talk to as far as our suppliers, um, because I, I oversee purchasing as well, you know, they're not expecting a record year either. I think it's, um, I, I wouldn't say that we're, um, what word am I looking for? I wouldn't say that we're not 
susceptible to um, being part of a recession, um, but it seems to be in our region seems to be padded a little bit more um, than what the east east coast, west coast, some of those larger cities. Kansas City is not a large uh, city by any means, but of who we service, there's not um, even in in slower years or bad years. It seems the work still seems to be there a little bit more consistently than Good. than in other pockets of the United States. Good. Yeah. You're not susceptible to the volatility. Uh, you know, I think that's the big thing, uh, you know, and, uh, and that's exciting and it's good, good in, interesting. I mean, I don't think, I don't think we're having a record year. I, th- I just hope that we can keep, uh, you know, keep plugging along and the recession thing does uh, concern me and it's going to be a bonkers year with this election, but uh, Luke, anything to add? Uh, what are you seeing for the year ahead? Yeah, I, there's a lot that you're going to put the banking hat on now or you're going uh, to break it down. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I mean, if, if you look at Dodge reports, uh, construction starts this year supposed to be estimated up 7% uh, within the, the United States. So that's really positive news, right? Yeah. Uh, but a Dodge report is only an estimate and a right. forecast. Um, not, not saying it's bad by any means, but a lot of things can can affect that negatively. Uh, one being interest rates. Interest rates, I think, are going to be huge uh, to really making the financials make sense for these building owners and developers. Uh, what what the Fed does, uh, they're they're expected to start dropping rates this year. I don't anticipate it being until probably after Q two maybe in q3 uh closer to the actual election where they'll actually start dropping but i mean they're talking about 250 basis points which i think would be huge for these uh developers and and owners to make their financials make sense so if that happens i do anticipate more um more construction starts to to actually happen uh, but then, like you alluded to, it's a election year. No one knows what what that really entails. Uh, what we do know is there's going to be uh, a lot of struggles and hiccups with an election year. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the works there. I think uh, especially in different sectors like uh, healthcare. I think schools are still going to thrive. Um, I also think hospitality is still going to do really well um, good, this good. year. And, and the Dodge reports uh, also follow that. I think the industrial industry, so like really the warehouses, I think that trend is is pretty much over. I think that's really what has kept uh, 22 and then last year really strong was yeah. a lot of the warehouses or primarily in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, that's where we saw uh, a pretty big boom. Um, but but like I said, I think those industries specifically, hospitality, healthcare, and and schools, I think those are still going to thrive. Where office buildings, I think, are are going to start picking up, uh, especially with people coming back to off- the office. And then if we can if we can get the interest rates back in line, I think those will those will come back. Uh, a little bit. I don't think it's going to be a, a big boom by any means, but I I'm anticipating a steady year. Like Sterling said, uh, definitely not a record breaking year by any means. But if we can hold steady and get through this this wave of the election and interest rate craziness, yeah. uh, I think I think we would be good for for 2024. Uh, I'll sign up and for build, steady. Yeah, go ahead. Start yeah, and, and, and building off what Luke said, you know, one thing is outside of here, you know, we can't control a lot of what goes on outside of here, but internally, um, Luke and myself and a lot of management here, um, we have a heck of a team um, that, you know, we've been working on, um, you know, fine tuning and, and ironing uh, all the wrinkles out and, we got a heck of a team here. So if, uh, if the work's here, um, if the work's out there, then, then we're ready for it. And, uh, you know, uh, can, can have a pretty good 2024. Good, good, good. You know, you guys deserve it. You're doing the things the right way. This has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time. I've been with Sterling Guyette, director of operations, Luke Jacques, Director of Sales, Insulite Glass. See them online at insulightglass.com. Uh, you know, you, you guys get it. 
I mean, there's no doubt you, 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 you understand this world. You've been trained correctly. You've grown correctly. And uh, I'm excited to see what you're going to continue to do. Like I said, at the beginning of this, you guys are on a rocket ship. Thank you so much for doing the podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you in person one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Okay, okay. It is time to kick off another segment of the From the Fabricator podcast, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Stephanie Couch, founder of Build Women. Find uh, her website online at buildwomen.com, and if she looks familiar, you may have seen her at Glassfield. She was one of the big stars at the show. Stephanie, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. It's it's awesome to have you here. I can't wait to get to know you a little bit better because I only caught a piece of your 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 uh, talk at Glassbuild. So this is going to be great for me. And then you know we only had eight thousand people at Glassbuild. We had a packed house for you, but there's still the rest of the industry that needs to get to know you a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about your past because you're not somebody who just popped on the scene as an inspirational speaker. You 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 you're you're part of our world, part of our space. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your past. You know where you grew up and how you got from then to now in uh, in the building products space? Well, I was born into this industry. So my dad and his dad actually had a lumber yard in Atlanta. Uh, my granddad started in the 60s. And then my dad ended up uh, moving from right near the airport in Atlanta. When I was about five, we moved up to Northeast Georgia in the mountain area and we had a lumber yard there. I literally grew up selling hardware and driving fort lifts. Uh, not, my childhood was not OSHA approved. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that for another day. But it was a really cool upbringing, and I got to do a lot in the industry from a very early age and just see amazing people that do beautiful craftsmanship. We had a lot of high-end builders where we worked and got to see a lot of really great projects growing up. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so so let's talk about then your your evolution. So you worked in the in 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 building products, you worked in the lumber yard, love the forklift story. I do laugh <laughs> because I think about you know, I found some pictures of of my family's glass plant from the eighties yeah. and watching guys, you know, handle glass wearing flip-flops, <laughs> you know, and, you know, there's not, a, there's no steel toe on those flip-flops. Yeah. So it's such a different world back then. It is. Yeah. I would, I would wait until my dad was like with a customer or whatever and I'd sneak out the back door and somebody would have gone left the lift, you know, with the keys in it. And I would just take it for a little joy ride and pick up some concrete pallets here and there just for fun. And thank God I never knocked down a pole shed, but that could have very easily have happened. But, uh, it didn't. The world had other plans for me, I guess. <laughs> I love it. And so the world had plans for you to to build this, you know, build women, you know, and to 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 you know give a voice and and continue this movement that has been so exciting. So uh, let, let's talk about that. How did you get? To, how did you start it? What made you start it? I mean, I, I know obviously being a woman in a relatively male dominated business, there was an opening there. But but what kind of like was the the light that clicked on for you? When I was young, I worked with all men, but I never really thought anything about it. Cause I was in a small family business, you know, um, I remember all the women that worked in sales and some of our best salespeople that were people I called on the phone to order things. They were always the top people. It was, it seemed like it was the women and they were the go-to person at a lot of these companies. So I, I had some other women I talked to and then I grew up, went to college, came back, managed the lumberyard for a few years, and we needed to relocate. So I got a job with a, a national distributor of building materials, a wholesale distributor, and I was actually in the door division. So I am a door girl through and through, door nerd, love it. Um, I still drive through subdivisions. I'm like, look at that six light TDL beveled glass with, you know, my husband's like, what? Um, but that was where I, I went. So I went to big corporate. And I remember the first few months, I was like, hmm, it's kind of weird. Like, um, there were other women there, but it was at a lower level. You know, we were salespeople at the very lowest tier. There was no women in management, like not just in my branch, but anywhere else. This was a very big company with like six 6,000 employees, pretty much no women in management. And so I worked my way up the chain. I worked really hard, was the top salesperson in that millwork division. And then we ended up scaling that from like 10 million to 200 million. And that was a, a real greenfield opportunity for the company. And so I moved to Dallas, started two door facilities with a team of people and just kept moving up to where it was just literally me and a bunch of guys. It was customers were men, the vendors were men. My, my team was all men. We had some salespeople on the team, on my team that were women, but it was just always me and the guys. And I felt pretty comfortable in that situation most times because I had been that way my whole life, right? I mean, I grew up that way. but 
I also felt like I had to fit into this certain mold of what success looked like. Um, and I never really did very well at that because I never wanted to dress like them, you know, vest and, and khakis and a polo shirt weren't my thing and they were never going to be my thing. So I decided to start helping, you know, other women as a, just a side kind of in my career, you know, Hey, this lady's trying to figure something out and I've done this thing. So they called me and I helped them. And then I started seeing like how many women needed that because there was no one. Um, I had a mentor, thankfully, but she was one of the higher women in the company, like the highest woman in the company. And I literally called and said like, hey, I want her to be my mentor. And she just happened to say yes. But there's only so many women she can say that to, right? right. So if there's 200 women, 2,000 women, whatever it is, and there's only 20 women that are high up in the company, like you you have so much time you can mentor. Right. So it led to me never wanting other women to feel the way that I felt. And I did go through some really hard things. Like it's not, it was not all sunshine and rainbows. And I felt often like I had no one that understood me that I could turn to or that would do it the same way I would do it. And I wanted to start something that it really solved that problem. So no woman ever had to feel the way that I felt. And have I solved that yet? No, absolutely not. But if you solve that for 10 women, if you solve it for 100 women, 10,000 women, it's still going to always need more work. But I wanted people to be able to use their voice. And that's and, and you are. And that's where buildwomen.com comes in. And I'm um, with Stephanie Couch, founder of Build Women. And uh, please check out the we- website at buildwomen.com. And uh, and so you're you're off and running. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, it's and, and again, you 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 talk. The one thing that, you know, when you and I first talked, you don't just talk to people like in the glass industry. I mean, you've talked to Verizon Wireless and you've talked to, you know, other major players because this is an issue that is, you know, beyond just construction. You're just construction at heart. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think being a salesperson, uh, that's like another iteration of male dominated because no matter where you are, a lot of times there are just not very many women in sales, especially as you move up. So if you take construction plus sales and put it together, it's even more male dominated. So I love that part of it because I see so much opportunity and it's really about helping people build confidence and see how they can come into these companies and then working with the companies to help them recruit and retain through development, because especially with the next generation of millennials and Gen Z, which is going to be 75% of the workforce next year, millennials will be 75% of the workforce in 2025, which is crazy. But I want them to be able to say, hey, we aren't really sure to figure this out. So why don't you ask a millennial female and a bunch of other women that have come together as a brain trust in Build Women to say, this is probably the best way. And we're actually really excited. We're building some development tools. So we are building out a university. It's going to be called Construct You. And within that, there will be a Build Women University. So we are just pumped up about that. We're building out the first classes now. Our first class is called How Women Rise, and we have partnered with a best-selling author, Sally Helgenson, to use her material. She signed off and endorsed it. She has a big heart for construction. And so we're going to be launching that in Q2, and we're really excited about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. And in a labor shortage sort of scenario that we're in, you know, you're, you're offering a great solution, uh, and it's, 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 it's fascinating. Uh, let's talk about glass build. You spoke there and you affected a lot of people because I saw people come up to you, you know, get your, get your autograph, get a picture with you sort of thing. That had to be a trip. What was it like for you speaking to this group and how did you feel it all went? It was awesome. I would go back tomorrow and do it again tomorrow. Like it was one of those things where I left and was like, dang, that was really fun. And I wish I could do it again tomorrow. Um, this group was so engaged and I had never really, been around a large group in the glass industry and you guys are a fun group. I'm pretty excited because I'm speaking at BEC. So I'm going to get to just see even more of this group, but I loved it. It was, uh, I met some people. I had already met uh, Mel from NGA and she was kind of my connection to that, but seeing her in person was awesome. And then just meeting other people, men and women. And I've made several connections that have now become friends and clients and all these other things. So it's, it's been a great experience. I I can't think of one single speaking event that I loved more or that I got more out of personally. And I don't just mean business-wise, I mean, professional relationships and, and friends. So it was, it was a record book event. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. Well, it was great having you there. And, uh, and I think, uh, Having you at BEC in March is going to be tremendous. And you're speaking about AI, uh, which is a big, big subject. So that's exciting. So 
Uh, again, if you you missed Stephanie at Glassbuild, you can catch her at BEC in March in Nashville, and uh, you can find that at glass.org and look up BEC and register for that right away. Uh, let, let's mix it up, a fun one. And I was really curious on this one, on who you would pick, <laughs> because- you you have such a personality. I mean, it just you know, it just booms. And so I'm just really curious. So who are the three people you'd love to have a meal with and why? I'm just very curious because I I, I mean my mind kind of is is filled with possibilities. I'm curious on who you pick. I'm curious to hear what you think it would would be. We can talk about that offline. So this was super easy for me. I didn't have to think about this very long. Um, there's one person in the industry. She is a badass woman. Her name is Diane Hendricks. She started ABC Supply, the roofing company. She is a billionaire, um, but she has built a huge business. Her husband died after you know the business was going and everybody thought she was just going to sell this thing and ride off into the sunset with her money. And she didn't. She built, she doubled down and she built it instead. So she is living and I would love to have dinner with her. And if someone knows how to make that happen, like that's my number one. So putting that into the universe, there you I go. things happen. Uh, the second one is Alex Hermosi. So he is an entrepreneur. He's a young guy. Um, he built a company and exited it for a large amount, but he really is just a sales and motivational type person. Uh, also no BS type person. And I, my husband and I listen to a lot of his stuff. He has a, his wife is named Layla um, and she's the CEO and he's kind of the visionary person. They have an acquisitions company now and they build a lot of big businesses. So I'd love to pick nice. their brain for a few hours. Um, nice. Yeah. And then the last one is, is a kind of a given for most entrepreneurs is Warren Buffett. I mean, you can't bottle up much more in a brain than that man has in his. So I would love to go to Omaha and sit down and have a dinner uh, with him. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would be something that, that, that oh, that's, yeah. that, that is a bucket list that anybody would have. And, and that's a great call for sure. And, uh, yeah. and, and, and the funniest thing is his right-hand man, you know, Charlie Munger just passed yep. and Char Charlie is, was not popular in the glass industry because he had come out saying he doesn't like windows. You know, oh. and he envisioned, you know, a windowless dorm. Uh, Andrew Herring did a T-shirt about it. And so Charlie passed away. So Charlie was not a good, good friend. Of the well, I'm glad I didn't say Charlie. Like, <laughs> that was a close call. Holy moly. That could have ruined this whole thing. No, 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 no. You're, you're too smart for this. Too smart. Too smart. Yeah, I like your... um, it's, that's pretty interesting. Like, who wants a house without windows? I mean, I'm yeah. not even going to unwrap he, that. But... He, wanted, he wanted to have artificial light in each of the rooms instead of having windows. It was cheaper to build and more, you know, more effective so and so he had his thought process it was ridiculous but he had his thought process and uh oh, definitely not yeah. a friend of the glass world but i'm uh, curious we, i'll just ask you who is yeah. your like just give me one or two I, you know i i go back to the you know i didn't put on yours dead or alive sort of thing yeah. so so part of me wants to go back to the folks that have passed yeah you know and and the big one i've always wanted was i, I wasn't around when my grandfather who was also named mm. max perlstein I, that's one I would, I, I wish I could have, uh, yeah, I would love to pick his, cool. pick, his, pick his brain. He was very active in the glass industry. He was very active in the national glass association. So somebody like that, uh, just to, to hear him out because of the years that, that he had dealt with in the glazing industry and in glass yeah. overall. Uh, so that's always the big one for me. If I could go and how uh, cool to ask him, like what he thinks about it now, like give him a little glimpse yes. of 2024 glass industry and be like, what do you think about this? <laughs> Get a load of this internet stuff and all this crazy stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when I, I always say, you know, when I started, you know, the, you know, people would send in orders by mail. Yeah. You know, they were mailing in their purchase orders. Yeah. Uh, which is just bananas to to think about I because know. now, I mean, you know, it's it's a, there's electronic data entry, and mm -hmm. a lot of times you don't, you know, people just enter into the, your system, they put put the order in, and yeah. uh, you're off and running. But they, you know, you know, my first days, I'd open up the mail, and there'd be a purchase order, and I'd have to be like, <laughs> is this like real? And I mean, then even did you just not worry about like, is this person actually going to pay for it? Like, I mean, yeah. you could never like that would never in the millionth world ever happen now, but it's crazy to think about that. And, and also just the lead time aspect of it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was sent in the mail. You lost <laughs> three, four days easy just mailing yeah. it. Yeah. You know? And if, hopefully 
the postal service then was more reliable than now because I've been waiting on checks before and it's like 20 oh, weeks later. It shows I, up, you know, it got caught under somebody's box or something in the mail, but nothing against the U.S. mail. Thank you for what you do. But yep, no, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not the best way to get a check. Let's just say no, that. Absolutely. The world, the world definitely has changed. This is, this is fun. Yeah. It's, it's I, you know, when I was a little girl, it's like really thinking about how crazy it is. My dad had the carbon copy like ticket write out machine, you yep. know, so it was a yellow, pink, white. And he would, every day, he would, like, write out just on a legal pad what someone got at the lumberyard. And this was when I was, you know, like, eight or nine. So it's not that long ago. Um, and he would literally, every night, price tickets with his, you know, he had his his lumber sheet, random whatever. And he would price out, like, okay, this person bought $200 with the lumber today. And he would write it on the spreadsheet and then send it. it just to now think about the work that had to go in to get paid and just to make anything happen. Like God bless him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The labor intensity uh, for processing an order back then. Yeah. Uh, was crazy compared to what it is now. And yeah. so we, we evolved. But uh, I 100%. had to write up when I wrote up orders. It, we had a we had a little cute little plastic box that you you put uh, you you put the f- a four copy a four ply copy of the order in there, and you had to yep. write. You had to push down hard because you had to make sure it got through all four copies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and one copy went to billing, one copy went to the floor. I mean, it it all had it all had its place. And, and so, heaven forbid if you didn't have super neat handwriting in that uh, eighth of an inch looked like a quarter inch and then the glass is wrong, like you're you're screwed. Been there, <laughs> been there. Do, you know? Been there, my friend. Been there. I don't want to touch on like an old wound or anything there, Max. Nope. nope. Um no, no. <laughs> You, you and I, you're, we're kindred spirits on that one. Very cool. Very cool. And with Stephanie Couch, founder of Build Women, buildwomen.com, you'll be able to see her also at BEC coming up in March. So sign up for that uh, and check out the website at buildwomen.com. And she's got a lot of cool things. We're going to talk about something new coming up. But before we get to the new thing, um, you know this space pretty well. You know building products and so on. Uh, you know, what are some of the trends uh, out in the world that you like, that you find exciting right now? One thing that just really intrigues me, and it has for several years, is mass timber. Um, you know, it's not it's not something that's huge yet, but I think it's really cool. And just seeing some of the things that are built, it's just aesthetically so beautiful and also yeah. good for the earth. Um, you know, certain like crazy trends like 3D printing and things like that, obviously, they pique my interest. But I think more than anything, it's the technology. It's the AI. It's the integration of of things that we just, as an industry, have really push back on even like, and I know, you know, marketing is a a different thing is a trend, but I think even using that in a way that showcases the beautiful, amazing products. And I think people are general public. And I don't mean people in our industry. I think they're so intrigued by what we do as an industry. They don't understand or know, but they, everyone lives in a house. Everyone's connected or lives somewhere in an apartment or wherever that's been built. Right. And most people. And so, you know, you have this cool connection to the industry, even if you're not in it. And so I, I think the trend of just this innovation and how people can really evolve. And we're never going to have probably a, a working force that's all using AI because you can't do so much of our stuff with AI. Right. But how do we integrate it? And then also, you know, on that that technology side of developing new products, um, stronger products that are, you know, it's solar and all these crazy things are coming out. Um, I see a lot of new cool stuff that's just beautiful, honestly. Like, you know, with the glass and door industry, the things that are happening with doors and like the bifold and the pocket doors and the corner doors and, you know, the windows and it's just amazing. And then you see it. And I mean, I'm still such a door nerd. Like I swoon. I'm like, yeah. oh, I mean, it takes my breath away when I see like a beautiful 16 foot, you know, bifolding door going into a wall somewhere with a remote control. It's like, how is this possible? And how do I afford it in my house? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, 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 I'm the same as you. When I see things, I'm like, I wish I could put them in my home because it's yeah. so amazing. Uh, yeah. No, you're, you're dead on. And, and, and again, I'm glad you're talking about AI, you know, when you come to BEC, because that yeah. is a big piece and, you know, good takes on that. Now you are, uh, you know, not only, you know, a massive advocate for women, but you're also a, a strong marketer. You have the marketing side. You talked a little bit about Construct You, which is exciting. You've got that mm-hmm. going. But you told me right before we started, you've got something brand new coming out. You got a yeah. CRM coming down the pike. Pretty Talk about exciting. That. Talk about um, that. We are actually developing something. It's going to be called Grit Innovations is the company. And we are developing a CRM built for the construction industry and focused on the things that will drive your business. Uh, CRM is not something that I've seen a ton of 
companies use and use well. It's troublesome. It takes a long time to integrate. You have to have a person dedicated to it. And then your sales team just doesn't really want to use it because they don't know how or does it doesn't drive business. It feels like busy work. So really, this is going to take the things you actually need to drive business and allow people to do things like email marketing, texting, follow up, you know, all of these amazing tools. And it'll be integrated with social media and all these other drivers. So it will be a really easy way for companies like Glazers, people in the construction industry that especially the smaller businesses that can't afford a $100,000 IT person a year to come and make this happen for their company. And we are really excited about it. It's coming out in a month and we will be ready for business. And we're going to have, like I said, a lot of conversations with people about how do we help them drive leads and really optimizing you know, their SEO, Google, all of those things and not having to spend 20, 30 hours a week on social media to make that happen because these people are busy. They're busy yeah. out making money. We want to help people optimize so that we help you do the thing that you can only do, which is out there doing your trade, helping your customers. You shouldn't be spending a hundred hours a week trying to figure out a CRM. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and this is so new. How I, do we have a website for this? Will it be found? There out? is no website. Okay. It's coming soon. This is okay. like seriously fresh off like just it happened. Is. It, it, it yeah. definitely is. So, so the best way is that people need to to follow you on LinkedIn because yeah, that's so where you're you very prominent. Yeah, so send me a message on LinkedIn and by the time that I hit BEC, I will have all of the website, everything will be ready to go. But I'm just so excited about it, but I wanted to share it with you and your audience because I feel like it's such a big need in the industry. And there are so many people that are so busy that they're out handling the things that they do that, you know, customers and all these things, they can't follow up on their leads and they they lose a lot of business that are highly qualified leads because they just don't fall don't follow up quick enough. And the thing that I think we both know is in sales, usually the person that gets back first is the person that gets the order. And yeah. you want to be that person. Yeah, it's very, very true. Very true. And so you want to follow Stephanie on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. Her name is spelled with an F, S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, -E, Couch, C-O-U-C-H. Uh, you know, obviously she has a very recognizable look. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll find her on LinkedIn, follow her, link in with her. Uh, so you can keep up to date on the latest. That's exciting. Grit innovations. I love the name too. I Thank love the you. Name. And I am actually launching a podcast called cool. the grit blueprint that will be with kind of with this whole, uh, we're going to feature build women series and have marketing and sales tips for people in the good. construction industry. So we're excited about it. Good, good. That's good. Uh, that's a list and that's exciting. So no, that's a good, and it's a good medium. It's a good way to get uh, messaging out. A lot of people love to listen to these uh, in their car on walks and mm -hmm. that's how you know people keep up with things right now yeah. uh, is through the podcast medium. So that's awesome that you're doing I'll that. I'll probably be calling for some tips, just FYI. Yeah, you're a pro. You're, 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 <laughs> you're, you're a pro for sure. Stephanie Couch, Build Women, buildwomen.com and also Grit Innovations, the yes. CRM that's going to change the world a little bit. We like that. Uh, and also, you know, the Construct You, uh, the series you've got going on over there. So so wrapping up with you, 2024, the economy, I'm really curious here because I ask this to everybody that I have on. I'm always curious about the year ahead or, or, or how it's going. You come from a different angle. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you come from a different angle. Yes, you know our spot and you know our world. Uh, you're involved in it. You grew up in it. But you also talk to, like I mentioned earlier, totally different groups. You, you, you are a, an advisor to many in many different worlds. How are you seeing the economy, uh, the building economy, the overall economy for 2024 and beyond? I actually feel really good about the economy for 2024. I know we have a big thing coming up in November, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that will probably be a point where who knows what's going to happen after December. But I do feel like until November, I, I'm very strong on it, bullish on it. I think the home building industry still has so much lack in inventory. Uh, interest rates have been high. I feel like they're going to continue to go down this year, especially with the upcoming election and things that are happening in the in the markets. So who knows what will happen after that, but I feel pretty darn good about 2024. And I also think, you know, I really believe that a lot of great businesses are, are built in recessions. Um, people have been so busy and the last four years has just been honestly catching fish in a bucket. It's been very easy for a lot of businesses, not all of them, but like I know most of the businesses that I deal with, their, their tongues have been hanging out. Like, how do we catch up? 
And I think this could be a time, even if it slows down just a little bit, to optimize and really capitalize on some of the things that you can do to make your business better, to have your, your profits go up and your overhead go down and all these things that we've really been too busy to even look at, to audit. And so it could be a time to audit your business and really optimize your business. But I believe it's going to be a strong year and I'm I'm betting on it. I like it. I, I like, and you're dead on about the timing to optimize your business. I really like that takeaway because, you, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, people did not have to try to get work. The work no. came to them. I mean, you you said, you know, a fish in a barrel sort of thing. I mean, the work came to them. Now, not only do you have to try, but you have to be smart. You, yeah. you, you have to know what you're doing. So, you know, so taking a look at what you've got going on is really important. And the, the timing is right for that. And yeah. uh, if it can stay a little bullish and we can stay positive, uh, that's my 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 thing. I mean, I believe we're a resilient group of people as it is. I but, agree. But you have to do that. So it's a good good piece. And uh I'm all for I'm all for 2024, and it sounds like you're ready to go. You got a lot of things going. Yeah, a lot of irons in the fire, and we are. I'm fired up about it, and uh, you know, I fully believe that life gives you opportunities, and you got to just go after it. And thankfully, there's a lot of opportunity in our industry. So for anyone that you know isn't sure about 2024 and the economy, I know there are a lot of people in my life that worry about that a lot. They spend a lot of time just ruminating on what's going to happen and is the sky going to fall. But you know, I feel like if you get up every single day and you take action to build the life that you want and you figure out how to solve problems for people and you're really given a service or a product that is top notch, even if things slow down, even if things get tough, you're going to be okay because you have built something that everyone will want and you will be better than the competition. It is actually crazy to me how many businesses, and I'm not just talking about our industry, just in general, the customer service is terrible. You know, the product's not really that great. All these things. If you start to work on optimizing and then you you really knock it out of the park, you'll still get business when things are slow or when they're busy, you can charge more. So that's my advice for anyone is like, how do you make it where you are so great at what you do that people would be crazy to say no to you? Beautiful, beautiful. You, you nailed it there. Nailed it. Cut it, cut it, put it on the put it on the web. That was a perfect <laughs> soundbite. I love it. I, this has been great. Stephanie Couch, we 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 just really touched the surface. There's so much there. I really appreciate it from Build Women, buildwomen.com. She also has her CRM coming out, Grid Innovations, a lot going on. You will be able to see her at BEC, sign up yes. for BEC. Uh, that's March in Nashville. She'll be talking about artificial intelligence, which is a big, big subject. Uh, and again, uh, worth just being able to spend a few minutes with her. So thank you so much, Stephanie. This has been thank awesome. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Max. Have a great day. Thank you. Okay, okay. Thank you to Luke and to Sterling and then obviously to Stephanie, who we just wrapped up with. Fantastic interviews and I really appreciate their time and their insights. Uh, Again, this podcast brought to you by MyGlassClass.com, MyGlassFab.com, the ultimate training uh, tools uh, and resource for you from the National Glass Association. Check them out. MyGlassClass.com will kind of lead you to everything. MyGlassFab.com is brand new. Great Subject matter, great training, take control of your training, keep your essential people, uh, train your your newer folks and keep them going in this wonderful glass and glazing industry with the National Glass Association and myglassclass.com, myglassfab.com. Check it all out. Any questions, let me know. At this point, I usually talk a little TV. The writer strike, I think, has definitely had an effect. Not a lot of, not a lot of new shows have come out. Uh, just wrapping up Reacher, which is fantastic. Uh, again, uh, what a what a fun show. But uh, you know, hopefully, uh, the newer shows will start to come out. So it's actually given me time. A lot of you had given me a lot of different shows to check out when I had asked for it on my blog. So um, I'm able to catch up on all of that right now. So that's what I'm doing until uh, some new. Uh, you know, new new pieces come out. So it's all good. Really enjoying Reacher, though. If you haven't watched that one on Amazon, uh, that is definitely worth it. That will wrap things up for me this month. I've got a great one coming up next month. Uh, things are already in the books. We've got, we're rolling along. Look forward to BEC. Looking forward to GPAD. Also, the Glass Conference, uh, Isle of Palm uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, technical conference. If you need info on that, that's coming up in February as well. Uh, look forward to uh, educating you on that as well if you need it. And uh, again, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for supporting. And we'll see you next time. Oh, the music is stopped.